Welcome to episode 26 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. I am your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conan. This is a very special episode. Actually, while we were getting fired up, Sarah said, we've been doing this a while, haven't we? This is our year anniversary. <gasps> Aww! anniversary of the podcast of the podcast well it's it's our podcast right yes 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 (laughs) okay well i know you guys came out a little bit longer if you want i'll wait four episodes and give you each an anniversary but it's the anniversary for the podcast it's been one year since the first podcast i i think i might want my own anniversary too that that sounds okay with me i'll buy myself a balloon (laughs) uh so this is episode 26 we did 25 episodes in a year including breaks for holidays and the time the podcast crashed and i couldn't get one out since last year we've had more than seven thousand plays and nearly 200 subscribers across the different platforms you can subscribe on so that's like 31 on soundcloud and 170 on facebook i think or 180 and like 10 on itunes i don't think that so many people have ever liked me before (laughs) and we've even been lucky enough to meaningfully participate on some events unfolding on the national polyamory stage which i think is cool So I would like to take a moment to thank both Mandy and Sarah. Without your support and participation, the show would not be nearly as good as it is. And honestly, I might have just quit a while ago if I was doing this alone. Aww. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. You know, without you, it would just be bullshit. <laughs> I agree. I mean, we're, me and Mandy conversation is kind of delightful, but not nearly as interesting to the world at large. Absolutely not as informative. So when I say thank you, Michael. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I'm bad with compliments. I'm always, just, I don't know what to do say, with compliments, like this, but okay. Thank you. Like, just like thank that. you. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> So there were a few questions I wanted to figure out when I first launched the podcast because I was trying to figure out the best way to do this. And I thought, you know what, whatever I want to do, I need to do this for a year to figure out if I even can do it for a year. Can I commit to making this work every two weeks for a whole year? And I think, you know, minus a couple of hiccups and a couple of late episodes, the answer was yes. And I'm getting better at being on time. This episode, if it comes out on time, will be the fourth episode in a row that I got on time. That's good. And the second question I had is if there was a desire for this content, if people wanted a philosophical discourse focused on relationship ethics, and will they consume that content in an audio format? Mm -hmm. And I think, again, pretty good. You know, we haven't done any major advertising. Mandy, of course, is plugged into a larger community. So when she posts our podcast, that helps. But I looked at some statistics today, and we have about not, you know, not incredible. We have about twice the viewership of the average podcast that reaches one year. So the average That's podcast that makes good. it to a year, we're doing about twice that good. That's uh, awesome. And considering the niche market we're in, I think that's pretty cool because people yeah. are normally, you know, probably making podcasts for everybody. Mm-hmm. Damn, we rock. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Go us. And then the third thing I've been thinking about the entire year is how to be able to make some amount of money from this work so that I can do more of this work. Because as you know, I basically do this in all of my free time. So other people have hobbies, I have this. No matter how many times I turn it over my head, I just don't like any of the systems that are out there for making money off of something like this because of what it is. It is an ethics podcast. The idea is that it helps you live a better life. It helps us live a better life. And in theory, if people in our community are listening, they're going to be better to us. And we want to share it. You don't just Mm -hmm. want it. You want other people to hear it. Mm -hmm. So it also, if you hear something on here that you think is very helpful, like communication, I want you to tell your partner, oh, go, hey, listen to this. And them not be like, wait, I had to pay a dollar to listen to that thing you sent me to. And I'm also really worried, especially in vulnerable communities like ours, about stratification around wealth. So I don't think that people who have the money to pay for things should have better access to ethical, happy life options. Like, I just don't think that's fair. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So even if we put bonus content behind a paywall like infographics extra episode in-depth things or even like user questions like oh if you're one of our high tier users you can write us and we'll be more likely to respond to you it only just... if you pay will we answer your question <laughs> right it just doesn't seem to jive with the claims that we're making the fundamental claim that i'm building the next five or six to seven eight episodes and i've said it before is you are all my group every human being that i run into is part of my group mm-hmm. right and so to create a group based on elite paywall stratification just doesn't feel like it follows that goal to me. What about a Patreon? Just people who can afford it. Right. You know what I mean? That is not Patreon per se, because there's some, I don't have some issues with it, but something like that. But what we've come back with is that in the end, I do want to use a donation model. I want to 
put a button on the website and I'll put a link to it. And in fact, by the time this episode is up, there will be a button on the website where you can go and donate to the podcast. I really wanted to set something up like the Patreon that let you do a monthly donation in a very small amount, like $2. But it turns out that's super expensive. For some reason, if you want it to auto-renew like that, there's a $20 a month subscription fee we have to pay. Hmm. And so eventually, if we have enough people who are donating that it looks like that might be a good idea, I'll be like, okay, well, we have some money, then we can do that. So basically, the upshot is we'll get a lot more percentage of the money, and we can take that money and turn it around immediately into making more content for you if you donate once a year in a chunk instead of making us have the renewable subscription. So if you listen to 25 episodes in a year and you want to give us a dollar an episode, just go on, donate $25 once a year for less than a dollar per 45 minutes of entertainment slash educational content. That's a huge deal to us. Yeah. But what if somebody can't afford it like that? Anything you give is still useful. Mm -hmm. So the way that it works is they're going to charge 30 cents and 2.9% of whatever you donate. So if you go and you give us a dollar, we'll still get 60 cents. It's just that if you give $10, we'll get like nine of those dollars. Mm. So even if you have like a dollar or two, like you could also just put a dollar or two in a jar and when you get to $10, give us a $10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a lot of work. I'm not asking people to go through that. Anything you can donate helps. Every dollar helps. I'm just saying why you can't have, a, there's no subscription right now. That's something I'm working on. I'm going to try and figure out how to do subscriptions. But for right now, if you want to support us, if you can support us, everything helps unless it's less than 30 cents apparently because then we, we pay them because there's a 30 cent surcharge. 29 case, cents, but, I mean, but, we can go yeah. with that. <laughs> but anything anything above 50 cents realistically helps. Although if it's if you're if you're donating at 50 cents, if that's all you can donate, you might I'm, I might want to say you go ahead and you should just keep that. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you get, if you guys want to give us a dollar or more, that's that's definitely still going to be some change that we're going to see and be able to use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to put some skin in the game too, at least I am. So it costs about $500 a year in upkeep to run this podcast and the time that I put into the base podcast, the two-weekly podcast, I'm not going to get anything from the donations for that. We're doing this for free. That's what we're contributing. Mm-hmm. Anything that you guys give us, we're going to use to buy hours for ourselves to do more things, to buy platforms, to do more things, to buy advertising, to buy tools that expand the work that we Mm -hmm. can do. Does that seem fair to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Go with that. All right. So that's the plan. All right. So I'm donating this time. They're donating their time. And we're hoping that you guys will donate some money to support us if you like it. But you know what else? If you don't have money, every like, every share and and share both in real life. Like when you tell a friend, hey, listen to this. It's cool. And when you hit share on Facebook, those are the things that get more people to see this work. And in the end, that is our goal. We want as many people as possible Mm -hmm. to have access to this. So if you can't, that's a way you can support us. And that's, that's really what I was thinking in the end is that I want this to start growing into a community. There's starting to be people who comment enough that I know their names. There's starting to be people who like the certain types of tracks enough that I know their names. I'm starting to recognize digital presences in the space that we're creating. And as a community i want to work together to support each other and not leave people behind so i don't want to say oh you Mm -hmm. don't have the money you can't be in our community but i want the work to grow and do more so please help us please share the work please donate yeah all right that said if you don't think we should be asking for donations if you think that's unfair message us let's have a conversation about what you think we should be doing in that space because i wish that there was no such thing as money or i wish that i was just able to create content and not worry about starving Mm -hmm. or not being able to pay my rent but those are not the realities of the culture that I live in. And so I am open to other suggestions for sure. Before we start the show, we have one more announcement. Atlanta Poly Weekend, reminder. Atlanta Poly Weekend is coming up so fast. I'm sitting around working on classes. I have no idea how fast. (laughs) Making sure that I've got my content down. So quickly, I wanted to say this time because I haven't done it before that the classes that I will be teaching are Defending Non-Monogamy, which we've talked Mm -hmm. about on this show before. It's part of my argumentative ethics background. It's an interactive lecture where you write your favorite questions that jerks ask you that you don't know how to respond to, Mm -hmm. or nice people, but that people ask you and you don't know how to respond to, or you get a lot and you don't know how to have that conversation. And then I take on the argumentative role and you get to be the devil's advocate and we go back and forth about how you would respond to people's favorite questions. How could you do that to your kids? Are you safe Mm -hmm. when you have sex? Aren't you going to get an STI? Why would you still want to date more people? Yeah. It's such a great class for people who are new to poly and for people who are maybe not out, hmm. who plan on coming out. It's so informative. It's I think I've had Michael teach this class. This is the third year in a row now. Mm-hmm. And it's just very high energy and fun. The class is packed every year. People want this class. It's so informative. It's a great class. 
I highly recommend it. I'm going to be teaching non-monogamous by nature, which I'm very excited about. It is a hobby of mine to collect science facts about evolutionary biology and questions about what's what's the evidence in our bodies that we, for what kind of mating arrangement we would have naturally had if there was such a thing as natural relevance to human beings. Then the third class is going to be speeding up generational acceptance, which is a class on what we can learn from the speed of acceptance of gay marriage, which if you don't know most social change happens with what they call generational change which basically means people that don't like it die off and people who are coming up don't mind but gay marriage was accepted at a rate of about 50 percent so one third of the rate of change that we saw was in people who changed their mind and that's a huge deal that's an unprecedented Mm -hmm. speed of change and what we can learn about that for our own revolution of trying to get polyamory and non-monogamy accepted Finally, we're going to have a live taping of Probably Polly, and the topic for that we finally have. We're going to do jealousy, but we're not going to do sort of just, what's jealousy? We're going to do our own little twist on jealousy, like always. We're trying to get to that sort of 300-level course content, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're focusing on the way that the expectation of not having jealousy and of having to have compersion in polyamory creates a lack of dialogue around those things that has an effect similar to the way that toxic masculinity shuts down men having emotions and causes them to bottle them up and hide them even though they're actually having them and how that's damaging and how we can have better conversations around that space i am so excited about this topic honestly like when we talk about it i'm like oh i want to talk about it (laughs) i am just excited to do the live show i've wanted to do this for a while now like jerry brought it up months ago and i was just like oh that would be so cool (laughs) Yeah, I'm just super excited to do the live show. I know that a lot of our listeners are super excited that are going to be at APW. Mm-hmm. I've already been approached and asked what the topic is going to be, and <laughs> people are excited. I know I'm just as excited, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's the only thing I'm doing this year as far as classes and panels. <laughs> Except for running the entire convention. <laughs> all, all she's doing is this one class, yeah. so lazy. <laughs> Like last year, I tried to moderate a couple panels, and I think I was actually on a panel. For sure. You were on a panel with me. Right. And every time I did that, something blew up outside of her. So I can't do anything this year except just run the damn thing. And then when we talked about doing this, I was like, oh, no, I'm doing this. And were you going to do a code today? Yes. We do actually have a coupon code for our Probably Polly listeners. Yeah. Our first exclusive anything. Cool. What's up? If you are a Probably Polly listener and you're going to register for Atlanta Polly Weekend, if you would use the code PPP, that would be for the Probably Polly podcast, (laughs) it should give you 15% off. Nice. Get it. If you haven't registered, do it. Especially if you're bringing kids, please register sooner rather than later because it's really hard for me to do the kid track and the kid content without knowing how many and how old. Do you want to do a quick rundown of the kid track? (laughs) We will have free at no cost to our guests childcare during most of the class time and I'm going to try and get some in-room babysitters as well for the social times that will of course be at cost to the guest but the child care coordinator is CPR certified and does have many many years of nannying under their belt okay to set this up a little bit for today, last week we had Samantha Manowitz from the Polyamory's Me Too Survivor Pod on our show. And near the end of the show, I had a question that I wanted to ask about a policy that the local poly group that I am a part of is implementing that it was my idea originally that I sold to them that we're now trying to use and we're seeing how it works. And I thought that it tied in well into the general call that that survivor pod is making for figuring out ways to make spaces safer and more accountable to the people in them and i thought that it was something that as an expert on trauma which is what this is trying to avoid she'd be able to weigh in on so power dynamics and trauma pretty well and i think that she did i think she had some really good answers and i was curious to see her response so we didn't end up being able to add that to that episode so we're going to play a clip from that show and then we're going to talk about that clip for the rest of the show all right 
So I'm working with a local poly group, and one of the problems we were trying to solve early on was around leadership dating membership. Because there seem to be two major approaches in the polyamory community. One is just leadership can't date membership. And one is no rules at all. Let's just wild west that shit and see how it goes. And in my experience, that second one is 95% of groups. And part of the reason is the poly community is so small that leadership will respond, well, if we can't date poly people, we can't be leadership because we won't even be able to be polyamorous because we won't be able to date anybody because it's everybody in the cities in this group. Yeah, welcome to the life of being a kinko-aware therapist who's also kinky. So many spaces I can't go into. So oh, I'm sure. There's a little bit of me that's like violent. I think that's an appropriate response. But so I had a compromise idea that we're going to try and use as the plan. And so the compromise idea looks like this. We have a rule that nobody in the structure of the organization can initiate romantic or sexual overtures to anyone lower than them in the organization. So, so far, there's only three tiers. There's the board members who actually run the organization. There are certified hosts that can host higher level events. And there's just regular people. Just regular people. So the idea is if you're a certified host, you cannot hit on or engage with people who are just regular group members, but you could ask out someone who's above you in leadership if you want. A board member. Or another community host. And the board members can only ask out board members. But if anybody in the organization wants to go up to anyone who's above them and explicitly say, I would like to flirt with you, you are allowed to hit on me, you are allowed to ask me out, or I would like to ask you out, or something like very explicit permission of your interest, then you can engage with them. You only try upwards. Yeah. And the, the, the primary idea of this is that we see the people who are above as resources and that everyone should have equal access to those resources. Because, you know, if you go up to a person as a guy, especially another guy or whatever who's running something or whoever, and you just start gushing about how great this event was, chances are they will not immediately try and hit on you. Mm-hmm. But if you are a woman and you do that, chances are terrifying that you'll be immediately hit on. And so that makes it scary to go up and talk to leadership, ask for help, ask if they can mentor you, etc. Because they might take that the wrong way which is what we've seen in other organizations the last part of this setup is that we post that that is the rule very publicly and periodically announce it at events so that people are well aware that that's why everyone's ignoring your general flirting if we're above you so i was curious what you thought about that as an attempt that seems like a really interesting approach i don't necessarily know if it will or won't work sure. put into place the thing that i would encourage people to think about is when you are an organizer or a presenter or an educator, whether you like it or not, whether you asked for it or not, you are in a position of power. Right. Yeah. And your words are going to carry more weight mm-hmm. than somebody who is not in your position. So this is true. I can tell my clients or my students until I am blue in the face that no, really, they can question me. They can be more informal, that things are fine, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter and it won't change the dynamic. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a position of power and you are acting in your official capacity and someone comes up to you and you hit on them, you are behaving like a great who thinks he's a puppy. Mm-hmm. And so what you think is an adorable leaping on the person may actually not. Sure. The final stage of that is we've been hearing that some people feel like it's unfair or too much to put on the community host to have this rule. And if anything, it sounds like it's somewhere, not necessarily in the too little zone, but more in the too little than the too much zone as far as protecting community members from the power dynamics in play. Yeah, they can suck it up. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. Don't be a host. So the reason why I can say they can suck it up is I am a kink and poly aware therapist. There is a code of ethics that I abide by to the best of my ability. Liz Powell did a really awesome class at Southwest Love Fest on clinical ethics for people who work and play in the community. And I am really, really, really sad I missed their class because it was the same time as mine and I wanted a little Harry Potter time turner. And Liz is an amazing presenter. Super amazing. Yeah, we've had Liz at APW and they are amazing. Yeah. But Liz is also talking about ways in which the professional codes of ethics aren't really designed for folks like us who are working and playing in the community. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have standards or ethics. We (laughs) still occupy places of power. We still have stories that the only reason we know them is because of this therapeutic relationship Mm -hmm. which creates an unequal power dynamic. Sure. Mm -hmm. There 
are certain spaces in my community that for my own sake and my own ethics, I have chosen not to go. I keep a very, very, very low profile. Uh-huh. in the greater community for that reason. Yes, I mean, I'm getting paid. It's not like I'm volunteering to do this. But mm-hmm. I knew what I was signing up for when I took on yeah. this responsibility. So if right. you were going to take on the responsibility as a host, I have a little bit less patience for when you're complaining that you have responsibilities being a person in power. Yeah. If you don't want that responsibility, don't put yourself in that position. I mean, it's it's that easy. Yeah. Don't be a host. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to date so-and-so, don't be a host. <laughs> Yeah. It's not rocket science, people. Well, it's important to check your thoughts because I can sit here and have these thoughts with myself all day, but I got to ask other people if that's <laughs> accurate. So. Yes. So also to be clear, that was not me talking in a professional capacity. Disclaimer. I, I have to admit when folks complain about that, mm-hmm. a part of me that I'm not entirely proud of is very snarky in their direction. Can I ask a quick clarifier? You said I am not saying that in my official capacity. What is it that you are not saying? The suck it up part? You are not saying suck it up in an official capacity? Yeah, the suck it up, the bits that are snarky, and that's me just being me and not speaking as a, a professional or a therapist. Okay. How dare you be a person? <laughs> but... But but the <laughs> the idea that they they have this extra responsibility and this power dynamic that is something that you can say in your professional capacity. With, in my uh, professional capacity, when you are an organizer or a leader, you set yourself up in a position of power. Mm-hmm. And some people use their positions of power rather deliberately or intentionally to meet people. And sometimes meeting people means getting late. Mm-hmm. Shut up! People don't do that. I get it where you're like here is my cunning plan to meet all of the people I want to attract and now you're telling me I can't act on my superpower I do not like this maybe a mindset that people have I don't actually think that they have that that mindset if that makes sense I mean I think there's at least one person that does but I think actually what happens is that they're working in the community. They're really excited about dating in the community. They get excited about hosting things and that's fun. And they don't necessarily know why they get upset when I say, well, okay, you can't hit on people. They're like, well, that'll be hard to date someone. But they're not really thinking about what it really means to be a community leader. Like to be someone who we're saying is a host that is representative of our group. That position does have all these extra power dynamics and... It makes you more appealing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Some kind of rule or some kind of system has to be tried to address that inequity if you're going to protect the community, I think. And it weeds out predators. Like, it weeds out the people who do want to take leadership roles because of bad faith. Yep. Right, and that was my thought as well. I'm not saying if you don't want to do it for that reason, you're a predator, but it will also do that. It disincentivizes people who want to engage in that type of predatory... No. That's that's conjecture. If somebody who is engaging in predatory behavior decides to take on a leadership role to prey on people in that specific way, that role is, you know, and you take that piece away, that role may not be as enticing anymore. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and what I've been saying to people is that my primary interest here isn't even in, because they're like, well, do you think we're predators? No, I don't think any of you are predators. But my, my primary interest is in, even if no one was ever going to be a predator in this context, I want everyone to know that they have the safety to talk to all of the leadership with no risk of yeah. being sexually predated. Right. Predator or not, there's still a power dynamic. Absolutely. Right. It doesn't matter if you're actually doing anything. People are scared that it will happen, and this rule reassures right. them that it won't. And that if it does, they have a recourse. Yeah. And like and like you said, not, not everybody does it on purpose either. So you could find yourself, you know, in in that position and it happening and you didn't realize you got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about my own education work. So I teach for the Institute for Sexuality. I teach continuing ed classes for other therapists. And I have to admit, sometimes teaching for IC, which is, you know, the, the, the acronym for the Institute, uh, is intimidating because... Sometimes my students are like 10 times smarter than I am and have done all sorts of cool stuff in their times where it's like, I want to learn from you. But while I am in a capacity as an instructor, I understand that when I say things in that role, they're going to carry more resonance. Mm-hmm. And so even when we have a lunch break and students go out to lunch together, sure, I don't join them. 
That's right. Yeah. Because then I'm muddying the role in the power yep. dynamic. Right. That's the part of this rule that they're getting really hung up on is or upset about when I, when we hear people being upset about it is that we're saying this is always true. Like you can't just teach an event. And then as soon as the event ends, go over and hit on somebody. Because they still right. know that you're the event host. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. You're still a core event host for the organization. It doesn't It doesn't end when you go home. It's not just at the event, yeah. Yeah. And I can see why that will wrinkle people. Because not everyone wants to take that on. Yeah. And I have empathy for that. And I have empathy for folks as much as I am internally snarky about it. I, I, I also get mm-hmm. that there is a bit of a, like, grief and loss that you sort of have to sure. go through. Nobody has any obligation to do that sacrifice either. So my whole point is, if you're not at a point where you want to do that, you want to keep dating, you want to be the big flirt, like, right. that's cool. There's nothing less than about that. There's nothing less moral about that. But this role is not currently for you. Because yep. for everyone's safety, we need this role to be a little bit more isolated. And that that sucks. But there's, there's no way, as you said, to stop people from viewing you as having this extra position. Yeah. Or I also like the caveat of having somebody approach you versus you you approaching them although i can already see all of the loopholes people will try to find sure but I, I think if that happens making sure that you're educating the community about what their kind of rights are mm-hmm. and that just because somebody is an educator does not mean that they are the expert in all things all the time yeah mm-hmm. okay so that's the clip and the reason that I thought this was a strong tie-in is because you're talking about what can you do in your communities to lower the concern of abuse of people in power. And I think that this rule addresses something, I hope this rule addresses something, that is a problem nationwide in polyamorous communities, that Mm -hmm. there is a lot of people in power using get-togethers as a place to find people. I think that's probably true of all kinds of dating communities. Yeah, I think that would be a problem in potentially any community. I think this would be a good rule for any community where you feel like it would be impossible for you to date outside of the the group that you're a leader for. Right, for whatever reason, yeah. Because in most cases, the rule just should be you don't date the membership. I mean, I think ideally you want to do whatever you can to level the playing field for any power dynamics. Like if I owned a like a gaming store, like a board game, role-playing game store, mm-hmm. I would be loath to hit on the starry-eyed gamer girls that come in. <laughs> I agree. The idea of being in a position of power and hitting on someone who is not on the same power level as me feels like I am I'm a predator at that point where I'm just I'm not really taking my role seriously and that I'm making whomever feel like they can't just be that if they come again I'm going to hit on them right kind of a thing you can't you you just can't do it yeah there's a reason <laughs> well, in the clip I talked about but again to, to really hit this home it's the resource dynamic everybody should have equal access to resources and feel safe to go places yes. you shouldn't feel like if you come to a poly group you're gonna get hit on by the leadership you shouldn't feel like if you go to a gaming store you're gonna get hit on by the owner you should be able to go to those places and enjoy the resources that those places offer everybody mm-hmm. regardless of your particular situatedness in the world those things shouldn't change how you feel like you can interact with the resources in a space mm-hmm. so i totally did this recently what do you mean uh, well okay so i went and presented at RelayCon. Mm-hmm. okay and <laughs> i hit on one of the people in the class mm-hmm. and there, there was definitely a moment as we were being affectionate later where I went, is this okay? Like, I kind of feel a little mm-hmm. skeezy about this. I do also think that it's always about overlapping power dynamics. So there are also something about the fact that some of the leadership in our organization are going to be men. And that mm-hmm. one of the specific problems we continue to have in polyamory is unicorn hunting, heteronormativity, homophobia, all a lot of these things centered on toxic masculinity. And so this rule protects everybody, but obviously there it's the people who are in the oppressed classes that need more protection. Right, but I, I don't feel that just because I have a vagina it makes it okay for me to do it i agree with your mental check Mm -hmm. and i agree that it's a problematic and that it's something that needs a lot of thought and i've seen other presenters travel to and use being a presenter as part of that hey i'm quasi celebrity Mm, sure that kind of thing and i've always 
completely judge those people. Sure. So sitting there and and <laughs> like I said, being being intimate with someone and and mm. having kind of done that thing that I've always judged, I did. I felt skeezy. Hmm. When I. I think that's okay. I think you kind of should have felt a little skeezy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, Michael, I was looking for support. <laughs> I mean, well, it's... it's I, was, what is, I did, though. I agree. I I mean, and, you know, you can make mistakes and still be a moral person. You know, a lot of the goal here is to live the most ethical life you can. And sometimes you make a mistake... But, right, and I did check that. Like, I, I definitely had the I, when I did the whole. Ooh, I'm kind of skeezy for this. Had the conversation mm-hmm. with the person at that time. Hey, I'm aware that I'm kind of feeling this way. You know, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this? I don't want this to, you know. And for me, this is actually a perfect example of why I think that this rule is so great. Because I think that if you had had this rule and you'd used it in the class that you were in, which is, this is the rule that I work by. If anybody in this class wants to hit on me after, you guys are allowed to do that. I'm not going to hit on you. I'm here as a resource. I'll answer your questions. I think you guys are great. You know, whatever. Feel free to hit on me. (laughs) Then you still might have gotten the date that you ended up going on and then you wouldn't have felt bad about right. it. Right. I remember actually, um, I went to a convention and I remember hitting on a, an instructor later and we were intimate a little later too. And I are affectionate. And I was like, huh, like, as you say that, it's like, Oh, I've done that. And I don't know who hit on who first. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's a possibility. I would really like to see this become sort of a standard in our communities. I know that I there might be a big push to move that that far, but we can't, we can't have no rule. When there's no rule, it creates a problem where normal behavior makes you potentially in an ethical lapse and to feel mm-hmm. like you're in an ethical lapse and then to never quite be sure what happened. Yeah. Right. You're never 100% sure if you made the right choice. And even with this rule, you can't be 100% sure because I definitely dated someone that I met at a place where I was presenting. They hit on me. I did not respond. They found me later on dating site and hit on me and we hit on each other. I think I hit on them first on the dating site. I don't remember. I don't remember who hit on you there, but I didn't remember them. I didn't like I hit on them and they were like I think I know you and I was like really even then after we were dated for like six months or eight months or whatever and I never got the rest of the story but they said that they thought they needed to break up with me because they felt like they idolized me and that they didn't think that was a good kind of relationship to have to be in a relationship with someone they idolized I don't know if that was just a way to back out politely or if that was actually the way they were feeling at the time Hmm. that's kind of a creepy conversation I don't know what I would say if someone said I don't feel like I can be in a relationship with you because I idolize you I think I'd be on that person's page like okay cool like if you idolize me let's not be in a relationship i'm not okay with this and just another another downside to the to even the idea of celebrity i know that sam was like well that's just human nature and i'm like i don't know i don't know that i, I agree that it's just human nature to create like mega celebrity and i mean there are people who always do that but i think again you can culturally be against that and i think the culture can have an effect on how much that happens people are people are people not the kind of thing that you couldn't have a relationship with like in the end every human being's a human and they need regular human contact and if you've put them into a realm where you feel like you couldn't have a healthy relationship with them, you definitely have a unhealthy view of how you interrelate with people. There needs to be kind of a rule, like a set rule amongst presenters mm-hmm. and leaders in our community, because not only do we mm-hmm. not need to have Mandy skeezing around, but there's definitely people with more malicious ideas out there in places of power, in leadership, that really need to check themselves. And what's interesting about this from my perspective is it doesn't even matter to me if we had a problem with this in the community. We do. And so we need rules like this. Mm -hmm. But even if we didn't, you have people entering the community all the time from the regular heteropatriarchal society that they exist in. So even if we were in some utopian wonderland where nobody used power as an abusive scenario, people coming from that outside space would still have their sense of what resources they could safely access controlled by their sense that they might be predated. So having that rule, having frank discussions about the rule, presenting this kind of rule, having that creates that sense of understanding why and how the space is safe and giving people direct access to what to do if anything goes wrong. I was just thinking the importance of having this rule is not only to have it, but to be very clear to people, like even like maybe every meeting Mm -hmm. or something like, hey, this is a policy that we have. Because 
I, in my communities, I honestly, I'm not terribly involved in the polyamorous communities, but when I have seen leaders in the polyamorous communities who are male, if I feel like, okay, I can't really talk to them about right. what's going on, any problem I have. And it's not because they've given me the impression. It's just because the idea is, well, I'm a woman, they're a man, rape culture. Like I am meant to be preyed on, you it's, know? It's not worth the risk. Right. And it needs to be very clear and upfront. Like, okay, I'm mm -hmm. not going to hit on you and not in a personal one-to-one uh, -one conversation, but in a general, okay, as a rule of this community, I'm not going to hit on you. Yeah, and so we have it in our code of ethics. We have it in a separate sticky post at the top of our Facebook group. In the Young Poly Carolina group that's centered in Charlotte right now, we have this. We're testing a model is the idea. We're doing this. We're trying something out. We're hoping it will work. And if it works, we're hoping other communities will adopt it. So we have that. And then also everybody in the class, when they come in to learn how to be a host or to be a board member, we say, you are allowed always allowed to basically say this. So you can have it during the introductions, you can say at the beginning of any kind of class you're teaching, any kind of event you're hosting. You don't have to, if you don't want to say it, you don't feel comfortable, you don't need to say it, you don't have to say it, mm. but you are allowed to say it. Do you have, what happens if somebody does? Right. So if anybody violates any of the rules in the code of conduct, you are to approach any member of the board that you feel safe talking to. And then the rest of the members of the board will sit in arbitration over whoever we're talking about. Um, so if it's a board member, there's four of us. If you send it to one of us, that's not the one that did that. The other three then do the investigation. And we have, yeah, we have very set investigation policies, collecting stories from the people who were involved, collecting stories from witnesses, getting both sides of the story, uh, protecting anonymity of somebody who's making a claim if they want their anonymity protected inside of the inside of the plausibility of that like if you're going to directly say mm -hmm. this person hit on me i need you to investigate that then there's only so much investigation you can do without hearing the other person's side of the story but yeah we have a we have an investigation procedure for that i know that atlanta poly weekend we definitely take that kind of thing seriously i hate to speak for other conferences but i know other conferences that i attend i feel safe saying that they feel the same way so if a skeezy Mandy approaches you, absolutely <laughs> go to somebody else in leadership mm -hmm. that you feel comfortable talking to. I think that the onus is on the people in the position of power. If you're in mm -hmm. a position of power, since that's an elective position, it's a public position. If you're going to go be a speaker somewhere, you're taking on that responsibility and there's reasons that you're doing that. And it is a valuable position. I don't want to dissuade people from going into it, but it's also a position of, of power. Like Sam said, you cannot you cannot disconnect people from their perception of you as knowledgeable, from their perception of you as connected, from their perception of you as community leader. There's not a way to do that. And even though not everyone will see you that way, there's such a risk of harm. I think there has to be some response. And I haven't seen another response. And so this is my response. I'm open to suggestions for sure. That's what always happens. So I'll, I'll pitch this. People go, I don't know if I like that. And I'm like, great. What's your idea? Mm -hmm. And everyone just stares right. at me. <laughs> and so far that has 100% of the time had the effect of no response back. And then I'm like, all right, so you admit that there's a problem where this happens and it harms people, specifically female identifying people, but all people, but even more that group. And they go, yes, I agree. That's a problem. I agree. It's a thing that happens. I agree. It's everyone that I know has had it happen to them. I say, okay. And so you think we should have no dating of membership from leadership. They go, no, 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 that'd be terrible. How would you even have leadership? And I go, okay. So your idea is? <laughs> yeah. I may be biased, but I feel like Sam's response was more or less sort of an endorsement as she sort of thought it through. Her one concern seemed like it might be not enough, but she also did seem to like the rule about letting people come to talk to you at the end. Like at the beginning, she was sort of back and forth on that. I think that she completely agreed with what you are doing and that there was not really an alternative to it. That's pretty much the answer. That's what I was thinking too, that I, I cannot think of another way for it to give the leadership an opportunity to just like... I don't, I don't know. I think it's the, the best solution I've heard so far. Yeah. Right. And that's my response. People are like, it doesn't sound perfect. And I'm like, you're right. It doesn't sound perfect. But it also a world perfect. where people feel unhappy isn't really perfect or people feel predated isn't really perfect. So I don't, mm -hmm. like, I don't know what a perfect rule would look like. But it seems better than what it is now. It's as close as I've got so far. And as everyone knows, my general thought is that ethics and philosophy aims at getting closer to the truth than where you're at. Right. So right. if it moves us one step better, then I'm for trying it until you come up with a better 
solution. Right. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, I caught when, when Sam said that she was concerned that there could be abuses, is I thought, not that abuses are a good thing, mm-hmm. but the fact that the rule does have sort of a faith in the community, but also create a system for what the next step is, I think is important because we as a community need to get more used to investigating each other, even if that means clearing each other. Because you have this problem where we think that investigation means you're guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this problem means investigation means you're bad. So having rules that prompt a lot of investigations where people can investigate you and go, okay, it looks like it was okay, would actually be a good thing because then people wouldn't be so terrified of being investigated that they're automatically standoffish when they're approached with these transformative justice models. So that when we come to you and go, I don't know if you even did anything wrong, but this person felt like you were hitting on them despite our rule. Mm-hmm. You can have that conversation with them and it gets so normalized that people don't start freaking out because what you don't want is you don't want a community where, oh, did you hear they investigated right, Tom? Right. Tom must be a terrible guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't even know what they came back with. Like they just investigated them. Like that's okay. We need to take claims seriously. We don't necessarily need to execute people without the trial kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and so I, I think that that's not necessarily bad. I think you have to, to create free communities. There's always going to be a risk of abuse. Touche. And so what we need is we need the skill set to negotiate those abuses. We need the skill set as a community to deal with them and to get used to dealing with them so that it is second nature to go, oh, that person broke that rule. I'm going to go talk to this other person and I am confident that something will actually happen. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of being afraid that that person hurt you and there's nothing you can really do about it. And that that goes back to, like, Manny, what you were saying, you feel like most leaders at most conferences, and I think this is probably true, if a presenter were hitting on people in such a way they started getting complaints, they would be worried but i feel like in most cases if there's 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 no rule to address it then it has right. to reach like it has to be like multiple complaints and it has to reach a level that's a quote problem before you'll do more than just talk to them and say hey somebody was worried about this right but yeah yeah i agree and i but i don't think that should be the bar i think that they should be talked to at their first offense i think that we should yeah. as community leaders have that in place that it's a rule amongst community leaders, amongst presenters, amongst meetup administrators, sure. community hosts. I, it needs to be discussed and it mm-hmm. needs to be not tolerated. Something needed to be said the first conference. Sure. So it's not done again. And so we can protect our community from predators, even predators that don't mean to be, because I did not mean to right. be skeezy Mandy by yeah, any sure. means. Every human being could at some point have used an intervention from one of these transformative justice committees to make them a slightly better human being that week. We've all done something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I think that, I don't think we should tolerate it. It should be so what, what an you, ethical staple in our community that we don't allow it. The idea, though, of getting everyone in the larger poly community to agree to that is an awesome ideal. But what do you think that that would look like? on the ground floor with something like this? Because, I mean, my thought was you try and get one community at a time to adopt it. This, I think this is our ground floor, is bringing it onto a podcast, talking about it, making it known. Maybe we do say something at conferences. It just so happens that I know someone who happens to be like, you know, run a convention and might be in a position of power to make such a rule at said convention. (laughs) Just thinking like, I mean, it's it's kind of a I think it's something that's coming up, too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm talking about there's also leadership groups. There's poly Mm -hmm. leadership groups on Facebook. There's, you know, websites for them and it needs to be discussed. Like I said, Michael, I think that this this is ground zero right now. Us discussing it on air, us asking our listeners to take it back to their communities, to take right. it to their to their community leaders and discuss it with them if they're not a leader in their community. And to to have conferences start stepping up and putting this in place. So if you like this idea, if you think it would make you feel more safe, take it back to your community and ask them to discuss it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's always going to be pushback. There are some people that say it's not going to work or not enough people will be want to be leadership. But, you know, we got two people in the end out of our class that wanted to be community hosts and f- follow this rule. And that was all I was looking for. I feel like two people from one class crop is a great turnout, actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And what's interesting also is we created an, an opt-out for this in our community. So on the board, it also says if you want to publicly opt out, of this protection you can and so we've had about 14 
14 members of the 178 members we have so far opt out. And what do you mean opt out? We have a public forum. So in our public forum, you can post like this, like, I don't want this protection. So board members and community hosts can hit on me. I'm comfortable with that. Oh, I I feel empowered enough to deal with them under the normal rules of conduct. I don't need this extra help. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, they have a crush on one of the board members and they don't uh, want to make the first move. Right, right. Well, and that's part of it is that we don't want to judge people's cultural groups, right? So if you're from a cultural group where you don't feel comfortable making the first move, we want to give you the opportunity to negotiate that for yourself. Right. And I think that that's, the opt-out thing is great. I think that have reached that position where they feel comfortable talking to everyone else and pushing back and saying, you're making me uncomfortable if you're being made uncomfortable. They don't feel like they need this, this protection. And I think that's wonderful for them to be able to do that. I just want to make sure that when other people see that they don't think of it as like the cool kid thing to do uh. so to speak like that it's not like a trend setting thing like if you're a real really confident person you'll opt out too that they realize that that's a personal choice about what works best for people and not really a like a judgment call. Right. And you get some shade. You get some people who opt out like with an additional note, you know, that are like about that sort of makes it sound like they're not sure it's a great rule. And that's fine. Of course, you know, we should have dissension and discussion about whether or not it's a great rule. Like not, not everybody's going to agree on the rules. I don't know that any right. rule, yeah. you know, on the planet, everybody agrees about, but uh-huh. there it's there for a reason. Yeah. Well, and th- I gotta say the rules around this have gotten a lot better because of some of the dissension. Like there were specific tweaks that he made that I can't remember exactly but this isn't the original version like there was an original version and people were like I don't like this and we were like oh we could add this and we could change this and we can have this way of uh, publicizing it so that pushback is absolutely important to fine-tuning it for your community to make it something that your community can feel is like ownership of and is their own and is helpful so I right. appreciate all the people that have given negative feedback actually in it's this just as important as positive you know and that's the other thing is that uh, the community we're trying to build is a kind of intentional community that's all about everybody has equal ownership you know the, the only reason we even have leadership is because you somebody's got to right like as mandy mm-hmm. knows somebody's got to sign the checks and and call people <laughs> and organize things or you won't have anything yeah so i think that's i think that's pretty good i think we hit that pretty well mm-hmm. i think so man this rule like i really i really like this rule it makes me feel really comfortable i don't want to feel like if there is someone that obviously is sitting on me that i have nothing to do about it well like you said you you have avoided talking to people because you just weren't sure you felt like risking it yeah exactly and that's what this is really meant for Mm -hmm. i mean obviously it's also meant for actual abuse but like the larger thing is and just very briefly there's a pushback on the idea of rights which i'm not going to get into that basically claim that rights are often problematic and not really accurate so you can say like well people have the right to consent or something mm-hmm. right but then if you cannot actually exercise that right like if you go places and there's rape culture you don't really have the right to consent even though you have the right to consent right, and so exactly. modern rights discourse actually focuses on what's called capacities which is do you have the actual capacity to do the thing that we're claiming you can do? And are the capacities equal across lines of privilege and oppression? So if the capacity right. to speak to presenters is not really the same, then you still have oppression. So if you are choosing and if people are choosing not to talk to presenters because they are scared of being hit on, and if the people who are scared of that are tracking axes of privilege and oppression, then you are oppressing oppressed classes. Right. Yeah. And that is what this rule aims to alleviate. It aims to create an actual space of parity in who can access the resources, the community members that have the gatekeepers and that have the knowledge and that have the space to provide that information. So then I guess when this rule is implemented in different communities, I'm feeling like it would need to be made clear, too, that there is repercussions and what those repercussions might be if it's violated so that people understand, here's what you do if you see that this is a problem, and here's what we vow to do if you come to us and say that you see this is a problem. Because not only is it like, okay, we're not going to do this, but it's also a, and if you find someone who's doing this, please let us know, because we're really not going to do this, and we'll make sure you're safe. Well, I do hesitate to tell individual communities how they should enforce their rules. Because we have a whole system in our community for how we want to enforce our rules. It is written in the same user guide. It says, here's the follow-up. And obviously, rules without clear follow-up, clear action, and transparency in the investigation, so like conceptual platforms, like those Mm -hmm. things, have to happen. But like the exact like wording of the one, two, three concept, I'm not... Sure. Like I don't... Communities are so different. 
and what yeah. works for one community doesn't necessarily work for another community. So I'm not going that far. And I'm not even going so far as to say, take this as I've worded it, lift it word for word and put it into another community. Um, I'm saying, take this idea back and say, how do we fit this idea into our community rules to do something similar if this idea appeals to you, if you think this idea would make you safer? I'm not trying to push the idea just because I came up with it. Like, that's not my goal. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if that should be something that's said at, like, opening comments at a conference. I think that would be great. I would love that to happen. Yeah, It's, hey, this space is supposed to make you feel safe. And if at any point you don't feel safe and you feel like a power dynamic's being held over you, please report it. Exactly. And we have a whole list of things that we're trying to normalize in our community. We're trying to add to those speeches. And one of the ones that I like to use is we do investigate any claim that happens. So don't get upset if you get investigated. Please, you know, help us do this work. We're going to try and help everyone feel comfortable. Because sometimes all it takes is for the investigation to happen for someone to feel comfortable. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. takes actual follow-up by talking with someone about how they made someone uncomfortable by accident. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a neurodivergence involved where one person was acting normal, but that made another person uncomfortable. And then you can go talk to them, find out that's happening, take it back to the other person and go, oh, they weren't doing that. They actually have this thing where, you know, they were looking off into space and you just happened to be there and they couldn't see you because, you know, like whatever. Something, yeah. I've seen that happen at a conference too. And it wasn't in a power dynamic. It was somebody who had Asperger's mm-hmm. who was on the oh, spectrum sure. trying to have a conversation and not knowing how to go about interaction after the conversation. So right. the other person kind of felt a little stalked, mm-hmm. which was was not the case it was just very awkward person on the spectrum trying to initiate more conversation or when i get lost with things like compliments and just stare at you instead of responding appropriately (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you michael (laughs) sometimes it takes you a minute to remember and that's really inorganic a lot of times like people will say that and i'll just stare for a second and then it's usually too late they usually tell me that i didn't say thank you before i get to get that that's what i was supposed to say and so sometimes the investigation will reveal the information that person needs, but they wouldn't feel comfortable asking themselves. And so these are very Mm -hmm. good procedures and policies that we can do that don't harm anybody that help everybody if they're implemented the way they're supposed to be. They're not, we're not looking for punitive justice. We're looking for this transformative justice. We're looking to help Mm -hmm. everybody coexist happily and safely and healthily in this environment. Because we care about the community as a whole, you know, and all those people are part of that community as a whole. So we want it to flourish. You are all my group. (laughs) Yes. Whoever you are, I want you to be happy. I want you to to live better lives. So it's not like I'm not trying to make rules to help one person or hurt another person. I'm trying to make trying to help everybody be happy. Don't be a skeezy Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> so that about wraps us up for this evening. The next episode will actually come out just before APW. The week before APW, it looks like. And then we'll do a live taping at APW. And then that episode will not come out the following week because there's no way I'm doing all of APW and then running home and editing together (laughs) an episode. You might be a little tired. (laughs) I do have him working his butt off at APW, so. (laughs) Three classes and the podcast. I go to all the social events too. Like I feel like people came that they should be able to talk to the presenters. So, and I'm sort of sponsoring a social event. Not exactly. I uh, I put together an event where I'm just trying to drag everybody to this barbecue joint that I really like. Um, I'm not actually yes, in charge yes. of anything. It straight up clearly says Polly Flash Mom. But but I will be there, and you can talk to me, and we can hang out and have barbecue. Wait, together. wait. Are you gonna be there flashing people? No. Oh. That's not what a flash Ooh. mob means. It means a lot of people show up at once. <laughs> Not a mob of flashers. <laughs> I like mob of flashers. <laughs> no, that's not consensual. Oh, that's funny though. I love it. <laughs> the idea is fun. If you knew all of them and you consented to it, it is fun. So what was next week's topic? Oh, blame. That's right. Next week we're gonna do blame. Blame. Not for blame. But we'll talk more about that next week. I'm always against it when it's against me. When it's against you? Uh-huh. You are... Ag- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for a wonderful for first listening. year. We're so excited. Yes. And if you yeah. haven't registered for Atlanta Poly Weekend, go do it. AtlantaPolyWeekend.com. Use so your code fun. PPP to get 15% off. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.